Please do join me in taking out your Bibles once again and turning to Luke chapter 2. Before we spend a few minutes looking at God's Word, let's go to Him and ask for His help. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, would You be pleased to open Your Word to our hearts and open our hearts to Your Word that we would know what we are to believe about You and what duty You ask of Your people. Well, Father, be pleased to feed Your gathered people, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to think for a moment about the music industry. Songwriters, singers, producers. Now there's not a songwriter who writes, a singer who sings, a record producer who produces, or a radio DJ who announces that doesn't want you to purchase and listen to their songs. Now, if that's the case with their songs, how much more would be the songs written and produced by God, recorded in the Bible, and sung by those in whom His Spirit dwells? Now, amidst the vast number and, and vast and the variety of songs available, I think it's vital that we listen to these four songs of the Incarnation that surround the birth of Jesus Christ that we've been looking at here in Luke chapter 1 and 2. Two of the songs are before the birth of Jesus and two of the songs are after the birth of Jesus. Now, good news, good news, these songs, these four songs of the Incarnation are not copyrighted. They're not licensed. They're in the public domain. They are free. Today's song, uh, the third, is found within what's probably the best known and most familiar of all biblical passages. The one that tells about the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, For example, think about all the school plays that will have nothing to do in a school that would have nothing to do with the truth of God's word, and yet you hear Luke 2, 1 through 20 read. For those of you that have seen Charlie Brown's Christmas, this passage is in that TV special. Now within this most familiar text is the shortest song. But as I believe we will see, this short song is packed with good news. Now, I don't know, um, as it were, who put these four songs together. Well, let me take that back. Of course, God did. The Holy Spirit through the writing of human authors. But, but the producer of this four-song album, this CD, knew what he was doing. It was brilliant because these four songs unfold, just like the Bible, the Revelation unfolds. Now recall from last week Zechariah's song, The Benedictus. Remember his journey, those chapters of his life from unbelief through obedience to joy. Now instead of a song, as it were, from from earth to heaven, we're going to listen today to a song from heaven to earth. Now as Zechariah's song came to an end, we learned 
about what was to come. Turn with me back to Luke 1, when I'm going to read verses, I'll start at 76, toward the end of Zechariah's prophecy, his song, and you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, as that song ended, we learned about what was to come, a sunrise and guidance to the way of peace. And with this song today of the angels, we are here, we'll hear that peace has been given to those with whom God is pleased. And so here's a central question that we'll seek to answer as we listen to the song and as we explore its surrounding context. Who are those people? with whom God is pleased. Now as song number two moves into song number three, there is a movement from darkness to light. Now that's not surprising, is it? Because it's a major biblical theme, darkness and light, expressing both a physical reality, but of course a spiritual reality as well. You see, the incarnation is coming at the time when people, as we just heard, sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And yet, with the advent of Jesus Christ, with the advent of the second person of the Trinity, the Word made flesh, with the advent, we read that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. So wrote the prophet Isaiah. Now, Zechariah speaks of light coming as a sunrise, which is gradual, but as we know, unstoppable. The angels, however, today will sing of light coming in an immediate blaze of glory from heaven. You see, this joyful song of the angels at the beginning of Luke 2 is the fulfillment of the promise made at the end of Luke one. So join with me now as I read Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now our approach to the text this morning will be to consider first the occasion for the song. That is, what led up to and preceded the song. And second, the song itself, the announcement and the words of the song. And third, the response of the song, or what effect the song had on those who heard it. So let's look now at the occasion for the song, verses 1 through 7, the lead up to the song. Now Luke, the historian, locates what is taking place within world history. Remember Luke is a historian. He's concerned about getting things accurate. He wants to convince and reassure his reader, Theophilus, of the certainty of the things that he's been taught. So Luke locates what's happening in the time of Caesar Augustus, better known as Octavian, who makes a decree. Now, we don't have time. It's not a history lesson today, but one statement. Uh, At the time, Propaganda abounded, Roman propaganda, Roman imperialist propaganda. And there was this idea that Caesar Augustus is the savior who will proclaim peace. Indeed, during this era, it became known as the Pax Romana, the time of Roman peace, where Rome ruled the world. And through its military might, through its economic strength, there was an external peace about the world. The decree of Caesar Augustus. But we also see the journey, the journey of people to their hometown to be taxed, to to once again have to pay to fund this Roman Empire. And two of the people we know are Mary and Joseph. And they leave Nazareth and they go to their ancestral home of Bethlehem. And right then and there with Luke's writing, those Jewish readers of this gospel would start hearing the the covenant of David, the promise of David. They might even remember that prophecy from Micah about why Bethlehem on the outskirts of Jerusalem was going to have this major uh, impact in world history. So Mary and Joseph make this journey about 60, 70 miles 
And when they get to Bethlehem, you know, there's no room for them to stay. Most likely, it's not a cave. Most likely, it's this room off to the side of a house, possibly with relatives. But it's crowded. People are having to come back to Bethlehem, to their ancestral homes. And so the only place for Mary and Joseph to, to stay is kind of outside at a kind of a room, a shelter off of a house where animals were sheltered. With this birth, you see the, the contrast between just the commonness of a birth. I mean, everybody that's living had to be born. It's a common event, the birth of a child. But there's a contrast between everything else that's going to be said about this child. It's not common. It's extraordinary. It's greater. Luke is setting up this contrast between this common birth and this backwoods place to the greatness of who the child is. Indeed, Luke is wanting us to see that God is quietly at work. And as Rob has emphasized as he's, he and Jessica are teaching their children about who where was the Son of God born? To whom was this announcement made? It's not in the palace. It's not in the head of government. No, it's in a manger. The manger is the first throne of the Messiah. See, Luke wants us to understand from the beginning of the humble circumstances of the birth of Jesus. Now, do you see what Luke is saying here in these verses? I mean, the style is simple. It's a narrative account, but the effect is one of understatement because world-changing events are just being narrated in a matter-of-fact way. And do you see what else Luke is doing? Caesar Augustus, head of the Roman Empire, you are in the background of this story. It's not about you. It's not about you. And in fact, unbeknownst to you, Caesar, God has moved you in this decree, which has brought Joseph and Mary and now Jesus to Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus is put in his place. He's the background for the main act. Luke, in a way, neutralizes Caesar Augustus. So the focus here has been on Mary and Joseph and the birth. But in this next section, the focus is on the angel and the heavenly host of angels. So now let's listen to and look at the lyrics of the song itself. Look with me at verses 10 through 12, the announcement of the angel. The angel arrives just like Gabriel arrived to Mary, to Zechariah, and there is fear. And so what are the first words? Fear not. Literally fearing a great fear. Fear not. Why? Because I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. We should know this already. Good news, that's gospel. It's the gospel of great joy, Luke is emphasizing. And notice, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord, who is Savior, who is the one who will deliver you, who is the Lord, the one who will be a master of you and rule you, and Christ, the anointed promised king. It's all there in that title. The announcement, good news of great joy for all the people. But that announcement by the one angel is immediately followed by the song of the angels, a song from heaven. Look again at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, okay, saying, not singing, but it's a song. Glory to God in the highest heaven. That's our name for this, the Gloria in excelsis Deo, the first um, uh, line in the Latin translation, the Vulgate of the New Testament. Glory to God in the highest, in heaven, and yet on earth, peace. Again, the Roman world is experiencing that Pax Romana, this external tranquility. But the angels are, are proclaiming a deeper, more lasting Peace. Now, I want to make a comment here. Some of us are familiar with an old translation that makes its way into I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day and others where peace on earth and goodwill toward man. Um, literally, we see peace among men of God's pleasure. It's, it's not, as it were, goodwill toward men or men of goodwill. It's Peace among men of God's good pleasure. You see, God extending his favor to people who have done nothing to deserve it. Does that sound familiar? Favor toward people who don't deserve it. Of course, that's a great definition of grace. And what does God do? The angels are declaring that God will graciously grant peace. That, that They're emphasizing that the nature of salvation is the restoration of the good relations between God and sinful people. The angel's song is honor to God in the heavens and peace to men on earth. Now, I didn't see it until the past few days. But you know the name of our church, right? Grace and Peace. And you know that that came about because Paul begins all of his letters and ends all of his letters with some version of grace. Grace and peace to you. Well, I'd never seen it before until looking closely at this song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There it is. Grace, God's unmerited favor, leading to peace. Now, what's your response to a song like this? I mean, when you hear these lyrics, hear this tune, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What would be your response? Would you believe it? Would you not believe it? Would you say it's too good to be true? Well, let's continue and see what response this song had to those who first hear it. Because the, the narrative now focus is on, focuses on the shepherds. 
Now, the shepherds are the ones that hear this song. What effect does music have on you? I mean, some people listen to music to, to escape, to enjoy. But have you heard that expression that that piece moved me? You go to a symphony and you hear a beautiful piece and you say, it moved me. This song moved the shepherds. It moved them. So let's look now at the response to the song. And we see that in verses 15 through 20. You see, the shepherds are going to take action based on revelation received. Notice that expression, which the Lord has made known to us. Which the Lord had made known to us. As it had been told them. So their response themselves is they went to see what had happened. They were told that there was a sign, there was going to be a child in a manger. They responded and went. And then they responded by what? Declaring to others what they had seen and heard. They were witnesses. And remember, people wondered in amazement at what they had been told. And also, they glorified and praised God. They worshiped. Look at how this section ends. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they themselves responded to go and see the sign. They told others, they were witnesses. And they also responded to God. In worship. Notice in verse 19, Mary shows up again. We read that Luke says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You see, Mary is showing us here that there's another response to the revelation of God. That the shepherds were active. They they immediately kind of obeyed the announcement. They, they went to find this birth, this new child. But Mary is quiet, contemplative, reflective. I think that's helpful for us too. It gives us good examples of how to respond to the revelation of God. We can be active and at times we should. We can be reflective and at times we should. In responding to the song, the shepherds show us what people need, what everyone on earth needs. You see, the shepherds show us that what is needed is revelation from the outside. The shepherds needed a word, just like the first man and woman that we read in the early chapters of Genesis needed a word from God. Man needs a word from God, needs revelation from the outside. We're not going to come up with it ourselves. But they also show us that what is needed is transformation on the inside. You see, the shepherds receive a word from God through these angels. And they respond. And they obey. They need revelation from the outside and they need transformation on the inside. 
But the shepherds also show us who are the people with whom God is pleased. See, Luke is setting this up for his entire gospel. The gospel where Jesus comes to the lowly, the humble. Those who respond to his ministry. Who responds to the gospel? We'll see it over and over over again in Luke. People who know their need. Because we tend to think that God is for good people, right? When in fact, who is God for? He's for needy sinners who are desperate for his grace. God is pleased with those who believe his revelation and they act upon it. God is pleased with those who walk by faith, not by sight. All the shepherds had was a word. And they got up and they went. The shepherds went from fear to faith. And their faith, as we see, becomes sight in due time. The shepherds, you see, imitate the angels. They're singing the angel song now on earth as it is in heaven. What are the angels doing? Glory to God in the highest. And what are they doing on earth? Glorifying and praising God. God is pleased with those who rest in his revelation, who are content. To be sure, there's more to come, but are you and I content right now? with what God has revealed. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that he has revealed belong to us and our children. Now we've considered in this familiar text, the song's occasion, uh, the lyrics, and the effect. I want us to circle back to the song and listen one more time to the announcement of the angel in verse 10 and the song of the angels in verse 14. So at its heart, the Gloria in Excelsis Deo is a birth announcement. The announcement of the birth of a Savior, the announcement of joy, the announcement of peace. But unlike our birth announcements, which according to common custom and etiquette, a gift is expected to be given in response, this birth announcement declares that a gift has been given. I want us to notice the address of the birth announcement. Notice in verse 11. The angel did not say, for unto you, Joseph and Mary, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. No, for unto you, shepherds, unto you is born this day. Most birth announcements focus on the parents. This birth announcement focuses on all of those who hear it and respond to it. You see, 
This good news of great joy is the gospel. It's not a command, it's a declaration. To be sure, it's joyful. There will be tidings of comfort and joy. But before that, this good news is absolutely convicting. Because we recognize we are sinners. And the gospel here is not a rags to riches story. No, first and foremost, it's a riches to rags story. For as Paul writes the church in Corinth, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Jesus became poor. Jesus arrived in a humble state for us and our salvation. You see, the the gospel that Luke is unfolding here first leads us to Jesus Christ in faith, and then it leads us to God in worship and to others in witness. And we see this in the revelation to and the response of the shepherds. So earlier I mentioned that there's a central question. Because peace is among those with whom he is pleased. We've got to ask ourselves the question again. Who are those people with whom God is pleased? Is God pleased with you? Well, scripture affirms everywhere that God is pleased with his son. And he's pleased with all those who trust his son. You see, we tend to to think we can please God by our performance. By who we are and who we know. What we do, what we don't do. Here in the beginning, in this psalm, is a declaration of God's gracious favor. It's mysterious to be sure. Who are those people with whom God is pleased? He's pleased with those who trust his son, Jesus. He's pleased with those who acknowledge their desperate spiritual condition. He he is pleased with those who know they are poor and in great need. As we will see as Luke This gospel unfolds. He is pleased with those who run to Jesus and find refuge in him. And so my friends, this song, this this announcement from the angels of good news, of great joy, and this song of the angels of glory to God in the heavens and on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. It's a declaration. But it's also a call. My friends, run to Jesus. In Him, you'll find rest. In Him, you'll be given rest. This text may be the most familiar Bible text that believer and unbeliever alike know. May God be pleased to penetrate our hearts with the announcement of good news, of great joy, 
that the Savior has come. The Savior has come who would do for us in our place and on our behalf what we could never do for ourselves. Are you worried about pleasing God? Are you worried about whether or not you measure up to Him, His standards? God is pleased with those who trust Jesus. God is pleased with those who run to Jesus and find rest. Father, we thank you for this third song of the incarnation. Short but sweet. Father, may you be pleased to show us the sweetness of this declaration of good news, of great joy. Father, in our lives, may you receive honor and glory and praise. And may we live knowing that we are at peace with you through the person and work of Jesus. And know that we can have growing peace with one another as we all look to Jesus, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.